If you would, to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. I read something recently that caused me to really stop and meditate on the Christmas story uh, in a little bit different uh, light. The year was 1809. It was a turbulent time in the world. Napoleon was sweeping through Austria. Blood was flowing freely. Nobody then cared about babies, but the world was overlooking some very significant births. For example... William Gladstone was born in that year. He was destined to become one of England's finest statesmen. That same year, Alfred Tennyson was born to an obscure minister and his wife. The child would one day greatly affect the literary world in a marked manner. On the American continent, Oliver Wendell Holmes was born in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And not far away in Boston, Edgar Allan Poe began his his eventful, uh, albeit tragic, life. It was also in the same year that a physician named Darwin and his wife... named their child Charles. And the same year produced the cries of a newborn infant in a rugged log cabin in Hardin County, Kentucky. The baby's name, Abraham Lincoln. If there were newscasts in that day, in 19, or, or, you know, 18, 1809, had there been a newscast, the headlines would have been something like this. The destiny of the world is being shaped on the uh, Austrian battlefields would have probably been the headline. But history was actually being shaped in the cradles in England and America. Similarly, everyone throughout the taxation was the big news when Jesus was born. Had there been a a news broadcast during Jesus' birth period, it would have been taxation, unfair taxation or something along that line. but a young Jewish woman cradled the biggest news of all. The birth of our Savior. So often we live in our world today where we get so consumed with all of the stuff and all the clatter and all the noise of the world that we forget the simple little truth 
that Jesus came to die. We're going to be looking at a phrase this morning in the Christmas story I hope will be an encouragement to you as I studied and pondered and meditated on it. It was an encouragement to me and I hope it will be to you as well. In Matthew chapter 1, Joseph learns of Mary's condition and as he ponders what to do, whether to put her away privately or to make a public example of her, um, an angel appears unto him in a dream. In Matthew chapter 1, let's start reading in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on the wise when his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, and he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall... Excuse me. Excuse me. And shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love. And Lord, I want to thank you for the opportunity to come as a church family to spend time this this morning on Christmas Eve reflecting on the things that are very, very precious. Thank you for all that you do. And help us, dear God, to draw close to you. We are truly thankful. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Mary was getting ready to give birth to a son. And they were going to call his name Jesus. But the Bible says here in verse 23, it says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall... Uh, bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is interpreted God with us. What happens here is this. As Matthew is writing his account of all of this, he quotes, verse 23 is a quote from Isaiah. Isaiah prophesied some, I want to think, if my memory serves me correct, 700 years prior to, to the birth of Christ, Isaiah prophesies the coming of the Messiah, 
the, or the, 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 or the uh, birth of the Savior. 700 years before it actually happens. And as, as Matthew's writing this, he is actually quoting Isaiah. So let, let me share with you Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. It says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, if you if you are pick up on this stuff, I don't know if you do or not, the word Emmanuel here is spelled with an I, where in the New Testament it's spelled with an E. It's the exact same word. It's just from the Greek to the Hebrew is, is the only difference. It's the exact same word. It means the exact same thing. But there's this phrase in this uh, verse as well that I want to I talk about, and that is the Lord himself. This is a clear emphasis that God is himself God himself is going to do something really special. Isaiah, 700 years before the birth, God God allows Isaiah to get a glimpse into something really special that's going to be taking place in the future. And he, and he allows him the opportunity to be able to write it down and as a prophecy. Emmanuel, God with us. Matthew recognized that Jesus was the, this Emmanuel. And that's why he, when he made, wrote his account, he, he quoted from Isaiah. The name Emmanuel is clearly uh, conveying a miracle that God himself is going to perform for mankind. For you and for me, this miracle that only God can do, God is going to do. God with us. The word with is an interesting word as well. It, it literally means to be in tandem with or to walk hand in hand with. Now, I, I remember when I was a kid, I, I was one of those kids. Yeah, ha, have you ever seen, I, I don't know what they call them. I, I call them kid leashes. You, you know, they, they, they got this little harness and then they clip a thing and, and they literally have a leash and they... You know, do like this. I would have been one of those kids had they had those then. But back then, all they had was hold my hand, Rick. And when we would go somewhere, it's a miracle my arm was not dislocated. You know what I mean? Because, uh, you know, if I wanted to, you know, if I saw something, I mean, I would jerk and do everything I could to get to see it, do it, whatever. But my point is this, that the idea of with is to walk hand in hand with. To be in tandem with. This idea of God with us is the idea that God walks in tandem with us. This is not something that we follow Him 
we walk with him. That if you can get a hold of this 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 truth, it'll revolutionize the way you walk with God. At least it should. The fact that God wants to walk in tandem with you. That's why he came. That's why Jesus came. To walk in tandem with you. What a beautiful picture of what God has has done. The title of my message, and and by the way, it should be a short message. We're not going to, we shouldn't be here too terribly long. But the title of my message this morning is God with us. God with us. God in tandem with us. I believe that mankind has miscalculated God for centuries. It is easy to think of God that is... How do I want to put it? Oftentimes, as a pastor, I I experience that people oftentimes have this uh, obscure thing about God where God is over here and I'm over here and he, He and I don't really get along real well. And that's not at all the picture of God with us. Oftentimes, I've, I've had people tell me this, that God is this this image sitting in a in a throne, uh, big you know big throne, and he's and he's just pointing his finger and he's directing the world and and he's this impersonal, cold God. And that is not the God of the Bible at all. He is Emmanuel, God with us. As I was putting my thoughts together, I was sitting on my computer putting all my thoughts together. Melanie walked in and says, hey, I got a quote I want to read to you. And it fit perfect with the message. So here, here it is. It says, we live between two advents. Christ's first coming and the promise of his return. The second coming, excuse me, his second coming, uh, Jesus has come. <clears throat> okay, wait a second. Let me, let me start over. We live between two advents. Christ's first coming and the promise of his return. His second coming. Jesus has come and Jesus will come again. And we're living in between those two things. That is an awesome thing. And and in the midst of all that, we have Emmanuel. God with us. We have a God that wants to walk hand in hand with you. That to me is a really awesome thing. 
I, I honestly cannot fathom a holy God that would want to spend time with me. My first point this morning is this. He has always been there. He has always been there. Countless times in the Old Testament, prior to the birth of Christ, countless times we see God with his people. Let me give you some examples. Um, and 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 when I'm going to give you several examples here, and I could have, I could preach for for six months, maybe even six years, on how many times God showed Himself to His people in the Old Testament. But here, let me give you just a few examples. We see Him at the crossing of the Red Sea. In Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 to 16. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will, bring, uh, which he will show uh, to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the people of, uh, of the, speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. But lift thou up thy rod, and stretch out thine hand over the sea, and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Psalm chapter 136, verse 13. To him which divided the Red Sea into parts, for his mercy endureth forever. See, it was God with his people that, that split the Red Sea so that they could walk over on dry ground. We see him in the wilderness as the children of Israel wandered through the wilderness in Exodus chapter 13 and verse 21. And the Lord went before them uh, by day in a pillar of, uh, of a cloud to lead them by the way and by night in the pillar of fire to give them light to go day and night. <clears throat> So here we see in this in this Exodus chapter 13 verse 21 here that uh, Jesus was the the cloud by day and the fire by night. That was Jesus. Jesus was also the rock in the wilderness. In Exodus chapter 17 and verse 6, behold I stand before thee there uh, upon the rock of Hebron. And thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, and the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. The New Testament equivalent to this is, is in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4. 
and did all drink the same spiritual drink, and they drank the, 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 of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Christ was with them in the wilderness over and over and over. <coughs> Excuse me. Another example is Christ, uh, his presence uh, in the tabernacle. Exodus chapter 40 and verse 34, and when the, then, then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Over and over and over, I could, I could keep going. And, and as I started thinking about it, I thought we can literally see the presence of God throughout the entire Old Testament, book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And I, as I as I just started, I, I just started from memory, just started writing things down. It's like in in the book of Joshua, the Ark of the Covenant is a beautiful picture of the presence of the Lord amongst the people. Judges, the book of Judges, we see God using regular people to accomplish the impossible. People like Othniel and Deborah and Gideon and Jephthah and, and I could go on and on and on. The book of Ruth, we see the presence of God. First and second Samuel, Nehemiah, Esther, Job. God has always been there for his people. He has always been Emmanuel. He has always been there. But never so clearly than in a little manger in Bethlehem. When he came to die. Emmanuel, God with us. So the promise is this, that he has always been there for us. Throughout the Old Testament, we can, like I said, we could, I could spend a long time preaching messages on the fact that God has always been there. But the most precious promise is not so much that he's always been there, but that number two, he will always be there. He will always be there. Emmanuel. God with us. Hand in hand. In tandem with you. A thought just came right into my head. How many of you are familiar with the 23rd Psalm? Most of us. One of the most famous passages in in the Bible. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For what? Thou art with me. It's the same idea to being in tandem with God. Thou art with me. In John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word 
was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. A few verses later in verse 14, the Bible says this, and we read it earlier. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This passage in John chapter 1 could possibly be the most significant passage in the Bible on the incarnation of Christ. Very clearly here, John identifies Jesus Christ as God in the flesh. And the, and, <clears throat> and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the, only, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What an incredible, beautiful picture that God gives us. Emmanuel. God with us. On the night that Jesus was arrested, before his arrest, he was teaching his disciples. He was spending time with his disciples and and Philip asked him a request. And I I believe this request was a legitimate request. In John chapter 14 and verse 8, it says, And Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, uh, and it suffices us. What was what was Philip saying? You know, hey, we want to see the Father. And and again, that's a legitimate question, is it not? But Jesus' reply, the next verse in John chapter 14 and verse 9, it says that Jesus saith unto him. I have, have have I been so long with you and yet hath thou uh, not known me Philip he that hath seen me hath seen the father and thou uh, saith uh, and and how saith thou then show us the father what what was can, can you fathom this conversation Philip, Philip looks at Jesus and he says, hey, can we see the Father? And Jesus looks at Philip and says, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. Can you imagine what was going through Philip's mind? Now think about the relationship that Jesus had with his disciples. Jesus had a had a relationship with the with his with his disciples where he would spend time with his disciples teaching them. Right? He would spend time 
teaching and, and mentoring them and, and helping them to understand truths, not, not lording over them and, and, and making them do things they didn't want to do. The picture of Jesus and his disciples is a beautiful picture of Emmanuel. God with us. Jesus Christ in tandem with his disciples. Not lording over them. Not being masterful over them, but teaching them and spending time with them. And that is the exact same kind of relationship that God wants with you. And that is why Jesus was born some 2,000 years ago. God took upon himself the form of man. The flesh and blood that we fight with. You say, but oh, he was, he was God in the flesh. You know what? And, that, and he was. He was, he was 100% God, but he was 100% human. So you have to understand that Jesus, Jesus got tired. Do you think you think he ever got a cold? I do. I mean, everybody gets them, right? I would think he did. And you know, you think he ever cut his finger? I mean, he was a carpenter, right? He had to deal with the same physical problems <clears throat> that we all deal with. Again, let me read you John chapter 1 and verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. It says here in John 1.14 that He dwelt among us. He dwelt among us. The word dwelt there is a, is a really interesting word. It literally means to pitch a tent. Or, or another way we could say it is to, to uh, settle or to take up residence. So in other words, <clears throat> the, Jesus came to take up residence or to pitch a tent in your life and my life. God makes himself fully known to each of us so that we can walk hand in hand with our Savior. He reveals himself as our Redeemer. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, 
for as much as ye know that ye have uh, not redeemed with uh, corruptible things as silver and gold uh, from your own vain conversations re uh, received by traditions of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He's our Redeemer. But He's also our Reconciler. He is the one who reconciles mankind and God. Emmanuel. We are separated from God because of our sin. Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 2. But your iniquities have separated uh, between you and your, and your God. And your sins have I hid. Uh, uh, um, and your sins have hid his face from you. Um, that he will not hear. But Jesus is that reconciler. He's the peacemaker. He's the, he's the advocate, if you would, between God and man so that we can then walk in tandem with Christ, with God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 19, to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their transgressions un unto them, and hath committed unto us the, wor the word of reconciliation. He became the reconciler. He became the, the, the peacemaker between God and man. That's what we're here celebrating this morning. Christmas Eve, tomorrow, the birth of our Savior. Let me say this before I go on. I hope that tomorrow before you get into the festive holiday spirit and doing the present exchanging and all that, the, the family stuff, spend time in the Word of God. Read the, read the Christmas story as a family and put it all in perspective. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. He was born to die. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16, And what agreement hath the, the temple of God with idols. For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Jesus is not God with us temporarily. He is with us eternally. God with us. Let me close with this. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. 
And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am what? With you. I'm with you always, even until the end of the world. He is with us. He is, he is in tandem with us. He wants to walk hand in hand with us. In Revelation, another verse that just popped into my head. In Revelation, I believe it's in chapter 3. I don't know what verse. But it, the Bible says that he, behold, he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Three, 320, okay. Uh, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Yeah, and I just lost the rest of it. Anyway, <laughs> what's he saying? <laughs> hey, I got, I got a headache, okay? Just cut me some slack. Um, well, what's he saying? Hey, I want to spend time with you. That's, that's what, it, there you go. You're the man. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If many men hear my voice and will open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him. And he, what? There's that word again. With me. What is the prerequisite to that, though? We got to open the door. We got to open the door. And this morning, as we We'll be celebrating Christmas tomorrow. Some 2,000 years ago, he came to die so that we could be with him. With him. God with us. Emmanuel. This morning, as we close, let me ask you. Are you with God? Or is he just a is he just a God that you put up on a shelf and you pray to periodically or you read about him in your Bible? Or do you walk with him? Do you walk with him? Do you know Jesus Christ? Do you spend time with him? Or is he just some obscure God that you just keep on a shelf and pray to? He wants to be your God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, as we bring our service to, to an end, I ask that you would speak to our hearts, that you would encourage us and that you would strengthen us. And that you would help us to draw close to you. Lord, we desperately need you. Help us, dear God, to walk with you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me just.